Everybody says. Amen. Amen. So, word of faith. This is what we're going to be studying tonight is we're going to be examining the word of faith. And one of the things that we're going to do as we get in this is um, hit some, some important things. Now, why are we looking at the word of faith movement? Um, because there are some things in it that are heretical. And one of the things that we're going to be doing, well, also, because I ask y'all what topics y'all want to study, and this was one of them. Um, but one of the things that, that I want to say right out the bat is that there's some good things in the Word of Faith movement. There's some not-so-good things in the Word of Faith movement. And then there's some very, very bad things in it. So we're going to leave the good things and the not-so-good things alone, and we're really only going to focus on the things that, are, that would be dangerous to your faith. Okay, because these guys are on TV, these guys are on YouTube, they're on Facebook, they write devotionals, they have their own study Bibles, um, there's churches all over the Arklatex that are Word of Faith, and what we want to do is make sure that we don't allow corruptible uh, things inside our uh, belief system, okay? So that's uh, one of the main things we're going to do. So we're going to start out in Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6. Now, Galatians chapter 1 and verse 6 is a, a, a rebuke to Galatians who were believers. Galatians were believers, but they were allowing false teaching to come into their church, and they were okay with it. They were getting led astray. In fact, in, in chapter 3, Paul said, who's bewitched you? Who's bewitched you? Who has pulled the wool over your eyes? You know, it's kind of a rhetorical question, but look in verse number six. Uh, Paul said, I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel. Pause. All right. It's possible that you, if you allow false teaching to enter your ears and your heart, it's possible for you to move away from the true gospel into something else. That's what he's saying right there. It's naive if you think, oh, no, it's, you know, every, if, as long as it's, you know, whatever. No, no, that's, that's being naive. It is very possible. Look at that verse. It's very possible that you get moved away from the true gospel. So what we want to focus on and what we're going to be looking at mainly is what is the true gospel and, and comparing that or contrasting that with what some things are taught in the Word of Faith movement. Um, verse 7, he said, which is not another, but there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. So there's a perversion of the gospel of Christ going on. And listen very closely right here. But though we or an angel from heaven, have you ever heard somebody say they saw an angel and that an angel told them something? Most every cult is started that way. But though we or an angel from heaven, and I'm not saying that everybody that sees angels starts a cult. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that that's a lot of people, when they see, just because you see something beautiful doesn't mean that it's from God. You have to test it against the word of God. Okay? Uh, but though we or an angel from heaven preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. So we'll pause right there. He's saying if... if if we do, or even an angel from heaven, or somebody on TBN preaches anything else other than what you have in the Word of God, 
let them be accursed. Well, you know what it means to be accursed? Cursed, cut off, okay? Um, the, and it's strong language. It's actually kind of like, you know, let them go to hell. Let them go. Let them be cut off and let them go straight down to where they're going to go. And that's really what he's saying. So it, it is, like I said, it's naive if we think, that it's not, and I'll tell you this, uh, let's just think real quick, um, go back one page, well, if you're in my Bible, it's one page, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, 2 Corinthians chapter number 11, verse number three, this, uh, um, a lot of times, this, this is kind of a rhetorical question, Paul, when he's talking to the Corinthian church, he's kind of coming at them the same way as the Galatians, but he's saying, you know, I fear that you're going to do this, this, and this, and you're just going to be okay with it. Look what he says in verse number 3, 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3. He said, I fear, lest by any means the serpent, as the serpent beguiled Eve, and we're going to go right to that place in a minute, lest by any means as the serpent beguiled Eve through his subtly, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. Now, this is key. If you're going to understand the gospel at any point in your life, you've got to understand the gospel is simple. Anybody that makes it more than what it is is, is either a false teacher, like they're ignorant, or they're dangerous. They're, they're doing it on purpose. The gospel is simple. It is what it says it is. He died for our sins. He rose from the dead. Those that believe will be saved. If you're saved and born again, you will not taste death. You're, you're going to go and have eternal life with God. Those that don't are going to go to hell. It's simple. It's simple message. It's simple gospel. But the devil, remember, he subtly changed it. Subtly changed it. And we're going to get there. Let's continue on. Verse 4. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus, another Jesus. Everybody say another Jesus. So somebody could say the name Jesus but not mean the Jesus you mean. You got it? Another Jesus. Somebody can come to you and preach another Jesus. Somebody can, you know that not everybody that says the name Jesus means the same thing you mean. If you've, ever, if you've ever had a family member involved in Christian science, how many of y'all know anybody in Christian science? They, when they say the name Jesus, they mean that your mind is enlightened. Not the, not the guy that lived 2,000 years ago that was God manifest in the flesh that died on the cross for your They don't mean the man, Christ Jesus. They mean your mind's opened up. That's what they mean by Jesus. So when they say, oh, yeah, we believe in Jesus, they're saying we believe you should have your mind opened, not we believe in God dying on the cross for our sins. So just because somebody says the name Jesus doesn't mean, okay. For if he that cometh preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit which you have not received, or another gospel which you've not accepted, you might well bear with him. So what's he saying? He's saying... If he said, y'all know the Corinthians, they were kind of carnal. They were messed up. They allowed some stuff in their church they shouldn't have allowed. Right? So he's basically saying, I'm afraid of you because I'm afraid somebody's going to come through your doors and preach another Jesus and bring in another spirit 
and share with you another gospel, and you're going to bear with it. He's basically saying, I'm kind of scared of you. I'm kind of scared that somebody's going to come in your church and start preaching a different Jesus, different gospel with a different spirit, and you're just going to be like, okay, well, what time does Pizza Hut open? You're going to be okay with it. You're, you're not going to fight for the faith. You're not going to say, no, that's wrong. You're not going to be adamant about what's right and get you know upset when something's not right. Um, so, it, and it's naive for us to turn on the Christian TV or even turn on radio and listen to everything and not examine it. You always have to examine it, especially in context, okay? So there's a couple of things. When, when we're going to look at the word of faith, and I'm, I'm setting you up for, for all of this, okay? Um, and we're going to have to move very quick. But I'm setting you up for all of this. Now, um, I'm going to... Uh, only hit on the most heretical part, in my opinion, okay? There's a lot wrong with it, but, but I'm only going to hit on her heretical things. Um, people probably think there's a lot wrong. In fact, I know there's a lot wrong. I mean, people probably think there's a lot wrong with all of us in here. But what we're concerned about is what's heretical. Heretical means it deviates from the faith. It deviates from the faith, and that's what we want to focus on with the word of faith. So in this movement, um, it was basically started, the grandfather of it is E.W. Kenyon. If you've ever talked to a, uh, a person in word of faith, they're always going to recommend E.W. Kenyon or his son in the faith, Kenneth Hagin, okay, Kenneth Hagin. Um, now, do, does, am I saying that everything they taught is wrong? I'm not saying that. I'm going to show you what was wrong, okay? Um, E.W. Kenyon really didn't start it, though. E.W. Kenyon learned it uh, from a guy that was an occultist. How many of y'all know what an occultist is? Raise your hand if you know what an occultist is. Occultist is somebody that kind of plays with tarot cards, looks at crystal balls, um, does the uh, uh, ast astrological signs. What are they called? Astrology. There you go. The, what, the, all the animals or whatever. Um, an occultist is somebody that plays with things that God forbids, okay? Talks to dead people. Well, you don't talk to dead people. How many of y'all know that we don't talk to dead people? Like David said when his son died, he said, I, you, know, you know what? He can't come where I am anymore, but one day I'm going to go where he is. And, you know, there's a separation between that which is living and that which is dead. Um, and so if somebody says that they've talked to a dead relative, bad news, that was a demon. Amen. It was what the Bible calls a familiar spirit. A familiar spirit is a spirit that is attached to a family. That's where the name comes from. It follows that family. That's why, well, that, they, said, they said things that nobody else would know. Well, you know what? There's all kinds of evil spirits just lurking around, and they know all kinds of stuff. So that's what a familiar spirit is, and that's why God forbid us or forbade us from playing with the occult. Well, E.W. Kenyon learned um, from an occultist um, named Phineas Quimby. Now, he and, and the occult is very strongly connected to the metaphysical or the mind science, mind science things. Um, so... The deal with that is, um, why am I telling you the history of it? 
because from those, from those guys flows everything else. Here are some of the names that are involved in the Word of Faith movement. I'm going to get this out of the way. I'm not bashing anybody. I'm bashing doctrine. Um, Kenneth Copeland, um, Kenneth Hagin, E.W. Kenyon, um, who else? Joseph Prince, um, Creflo Dollar, who else? Joyce Meyer. Um, if you like any of those people, I, I love you. I still love you. You can keep on liking them, but I'm just going to show you where the heresy is, and you can deal with it how you want. I'm not saying that everything they teach is wrong. I'm not saying that at all. But on these points, they're dead wrong, dead wrong. And, and I'll tell you this. I've been involved in the Word of Faith movement. Uh, actually, a minister recommended me go, you know, get plugged into this place. I didn't really understand all of it. I just knew what I saw on TV. And if you only go to a Word of Faith place on Sunday mornings, you're not going to get the true message you're not gonna get the you're not gonna get the behind the scenes issues, when just like um, how many of y'all understand the uh, Mormons? Okay, the Church of Latter Day Saints. When they say Jesus, they're not talking about the same Jesus in this Bible. How many of y'all realize that Amen. the Jesus that they talk about has a brother named Lucifer? Okay, our Jesus doesn't. Our Jesus is the only begotten of God. Our Jesus has no equal. Our Jesus created everything. All things were created by our Jesus. Amen? Um, and Lucifer is a created being. He was an angel. Okay? Now he's a fallen angel. Um, but the Mormon church, they believe in a Jesus that's different than ours, right? But if you go to a Mormon church on a Sunday morning, they're going to give you a nice message out of a probably even a King James Bible, probably the Catholic version with the, you know, the extra books, but they're going to give you a nice little message and tell you about what Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount and all this stuff, but they're not talking about your Jesus. But if you only go on Sunday morning, you're not going to know that. You're not going to understand that until you go and get deeper involved in it. Then they're going to start unpacking everything and telling you, well, you know, Jesus had a brother. What? I thought you were talking about this Jesus. No, no, Jesus had a brother. And so that's why on, you know, what you see on TV with Word of Faith, you're not going to see a lot of this kind of stuff. But all of it's documented. I've got quotes. I almost put together a little video package, but I didn't. But if you want me to, I'll do that for you. Um, I got all the stuff together for it, but I just thought it'd be better to do it this way. Um, so what's the main deal? What's the main thing? Okay, here it is. The biggest problem that I have with the Word of Faith movement, they have a teaching called Little Gods. Little Gods. Little Gods. That's God with a little g. That you are little gods. Okay? From, and like I said, if you only go on Sunday morning to a Joyce Meyer kind of church or a Kenneth Hagin kind of church, you only go on Sunday morning, you're going to hear just the same thing that Mormons hear, right? Jesus, this, Jesus. But, but everything that they teach comes, is based off of this little God's heresy, okay? And once you understand it, it will unlock everything for you. The, the little God's heresy um, is this. I'm going to use the words of Creflo Dollar. Uh God made you, right? 
Okay. Well, whenever dogs get together, what do dogs make? Whenever cattle get together, what do cattle make? And he said, when God got together, what did God make? You. You're God. Little g. That's what he said. This this is the opening I want you to see. This is where Joyce Meyer, Kenneth Copeland, Kenneth Hagen, this is where they're getting everybody to go. This is their launching from. When they tell you that you need to think different, when you need a mind change, what they're telling you is you need to start thinking that you're God. You need to start thinking that you're God. So who does that sound like, by the way? That's right. That's right. It's the lie from the beginning. So let's, let's go over there to Genesis first off, and we're going to go through a little bit, a few things on creation, and, and uh, go to Genesis chapter number 1. Genesis chapter number 1. Now, you know what's interesting is um, whenever I first got into the, whenever I first got involved with the Word of Faith Church, I didn't understand, but once I got to a certain point, every alarm bell went off on me and I brought my concerns to the leadership of the church and you know what they said eat the meat spit out the bones you know what I said it's it I can't do that it's too bad I can't do that this is a problem to which they replied well are you are you saying that you're perfect are you saying you're perfect your your you your theology is perfect I said no I'm not saying that but I'm just saying that this isn't right. Not only is it not right, it's not like, you know, you just missed a question. You're messing with the whole gospel foundation. And it was just, it fell on deaf ears. So um, I, you know, moved myself away from those kind of people. <laughs> this is, uh, but anyways, it's interesting because at the time I hadn't, I didn't study a lot. I just knew some of these things. But the more I've studied, I, I'm, I mean, I've got so much. The more I've studied, the, the same theme is in so many of the cults and occult teachings, the same issues. And I'm going to show you something that is, is, um, is that. So in verse number uh, 26 is where we want to go. Well, look at verse, verse 25. It says, God made the beast of the earth after his kind, the cattle after their kind, everything that creeps on the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, let us make man in our image, which is where we, you know, um, God wasn't talking to angels when he said, let us make man in our image. God was talking to the, the Father, the Son, the Spirit. They, that's who that is, ours, plural. Um, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. And so God created man in his own image. Now let's just stop right there. So the, the beasts of the earth were created after their own kind, Right? But it doesn't say that we were created after the God kind. It just says we were created in his image and giving dominion over the earth. Two different things. 
If a cattle is made after the cattle kind, it's the cattle goes to cattle. But it doesn't say God made us after his kind. Do you see that? Okay, because there's only one God being. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There's not two God beings or three God beings. In fact, I'll show you a quote later. Kenneth Copeland says there's three gods. And the three gods have body, soul, and spirit. So there's actually nine of the Trinity, is what he says, um, which is strange, right? Well, you'll get it in a little while, hopefully. Um, but here's the deal. Here's the deal on this issue. There's only one God being. We're made in his image. What image is that? What image is it that we're made in? Okay, whenever, whenever you think about God, God has dominion over everything, right? Well, when God made earth, he made us in his image, meaning he gave us dominion over that which he made on the earth. That's the image he made us in. He gave us a soul, gave us a spirit, and he put us in dominion over creation. But he's still got dominion over us, right? And we only have dominion over the earth, the sea, right? But that's it. In that aspect, we're created in his image. No other aspect. That aspect, we're created in... We're created in his image as it relates to creation. That's why the planet of the apes isn't real. Because the apes weren't created in his image. The apes will never have dominion over us. We're man. And God gave dominion to us. That's why you never see a pack of dogs plotting how to take over America. God gave that to us. He gave us a conscience. No, you know, even the smartest dog out there doesn't have a conscience. You can, you can, you can teach them, right, right and wrong, but they're never gonna, they're never gonna think ten steps ahead. They're never gonna plan on going to college and figuring out how to be a pharmacist. They're, they're, that capacity's not there because God didn't give it to them. God gave dominion to man. Okay, so in that aspect, we're created in his image. And God gave us a body, a soul, and a spirit, a triune. Um, now, why is that important? Because from, from that misunderstanding is where this little God's teaching comes from. Little God's teaching comes from, from that misunderstanding. And from there... It, it just opens the door on everything. From that Genesis point, everything changes. If I told you that there's only one God, I would be right. But if I told you we're all little gods, I would be heretically, damnably wrong because there's only one God. But even though, even if I said it with a smile and in a church, it's still wrong. Wrong's wrong and right's right. And um, that's the issue. So let's get into this a little bit further. Um, let me take it from the little God standpoint. Mm. 
Well, I'll tell you what. Let me, let's just start out first off. Yeah, let me take it from the little God standpoint. Go to Psalm 82. Psalm 82. I'm going to have to pick up the pace. I'm going to pick up the pace, but if y'all have questions, I mean, we can, we can pause. I hope I'm not going too fast for you. Um, and everything that I'm saying, I have documentation for. If anybody wants to see it, I'm not picking on anybody. Uh, it actually, you know, whenever I learn this kind of stuff, it, it actually really hurt me because some of the people involved in it, I really loved. Um, and you know, it just, it is what it is. So, uh, and I'm not saying go burn your Joyce Meyer books, but I wouldn't have them because of this. Because she comes at stuff from a different, and she's just one of them. Okay, um, Psalm 82. And you'll remember that Jesus actually quoted this verse whenever he was talking to the Pharisees. How many of y'all remember how Jesus treated the Pharisees? Was it, was he, whenever, he tre- whenever Jesus talked to the Pharisees, did he always tell them, like, you're doing a good job? Did he call them, like, things like, what, vipers, what a, right? Whitewashed tombs, right? Okay, so whenever Jesus is talking to the Pharisees, he's always bringing a word of rebuke, right? And you remember he told them, he said, doesn't it say that you're gods, right? Okay, this is the verse that he got it from. It says in verse number 6, Psalm 82, verse 6, I have said you are gods. And all you are children of the Most High. Now, this is God talking. And God is talking right here to people who, like the Pharisees, had set themselves up in the religious hierarchy. Okay? How many of y'all know people that say things like, don't touch God's anointed? That's a religious hierarchy, okay? Because we're all, we're all human. Um, but that, that religious hierarchy, and so they, they had set themselves up. And God said, you know what? You say you're setting yourself up like God. And actually, the, the, the root word in this is like a judge because you judge everything. But he said, you say you're like gods, but look at the next verse. Look at the next verse. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Now, pause. If you ever get and study this, every one of those little God's teachings will quote Psalm 82, 6 but they'll never read verse 7. The whole passage in context is a rhetorical rebuke. Oh, yeah, you're gods, and your your children are gods, but you're going to die like men. How can a god die like a man? Because he's not a god. Because he calls himself God, but he's not. But they will only read this first verse in verse 6, but they won't continue it to verse 7. So it's kind of like, Yeah, you're all that, but you're going to go to the grave just like everybody else. Amen? And that's, in in this error springs all of this stuff. That's where they get it from. They they connect that with cattle kind, dog kind, God kind. And that's where it springs from. So... Um, there's three other places. If you want to write this down, if you're taking notes, I'm going to give these to you, but I'm going to skip it for the sake of time. Joshua 24, 17. Joshua 24, 17. Exodus 12, 12. Exodus 12, 12. 
Numbers 25.2. Numbers 25.2. Those three verses, and there's more, but those are three that I picked. Those three verses, God rhetorically calls somebody a God, or he uses the word God um, like this. Don't serve the gods of the land. When he, when he gave the land of Israel to, to the Hebrews, he said, don't worship the gods of the land, right? But they're not really gods, but he's just saying those are things that they worship, right? Like, you know, like Allah or Buddha or whatever. Those are false gods. But it just means, that word false god, it doesn't mean that they're like our god, It just means they are things that those people worship. Amen? And in there, he uses a little g. So I'm just letting you see that context-wise, whenever God uses that little g, he's not talking about deity. He's talking about things that are worshipped as deity, but they're not. Okay? That's the context. Um, But this is, I mean, it's so... It's so fundamental to our faith that this is easily refuted, but it's so important that we have to cover it because how many of y'all, did y'all know that those kinds of people taught this kind of stuff? That's why it's important. Um, let's see. Let's go, let's go to Isaiah 44. Since we're right here next to it, let's go to Isaiah 44. In verse number 6. And one of my favorite Bibles that I ever had was one called the Sword Bible. If you ever like to get Bibles, I would recommend you get it. Um, the, the neat thing about the Sword Bible is, uh, you know how in the New Testament we have red letters for what Jesus said? What they did is they took all the passages in the Old Testament where God spoke, like thus saith the Lord, and they turned those into red letters too. It's really neat. So it's red letter, Old Testament, New Testament. It's really neat, and it, I mean, when you get into Psalms and Isaiah, it's like nothing but red, because I mean, God is doing some speaking in those places, but anyways, this is one of those places where God speaks, and look what he says in verse number six, so Isaiah 44, verse six, thus saith the Lord, the King of Israel, and his Redeemer, the Lord of hosts, this is God speaking, right? I am the first and I am the last and beside me there is no God. There's no little G's. There's no little G's. Maybe in the ghetto, but there's no little G's. No, there's no little gods. Okay? There's no other God. And, and you can just, you know, you, you can keep on going. Um, and who as I shall call and declare it, set it in order, since I appointed the ancient people, the things that are coming, things that shall come, let them show unto them. Fear ye not, neither be afraid. Have I not have not I told thee from that time and declared it? God saying, I prophesy. I say things that are going to come to pass, and they come to pass. Look what he says. Um, you are uh, from that time and declared it. You are even my witnesses. Is there a God beside me? Yea, there is no God. I know not any. Another passage you can go to if you want to write it down, Deuteronomy 4.35. But there's, there's 
over and over and over and over in Deuteronomy 4.35. Passages throughout the Bible that tell us there is no other God but our God. That's why, that's why we don't serve three gods. We serve one God, the triune God. There's only one God being. Um, there's so many good teachings on this. Uh, Ravi Zacharias, he has a guy that used to work for him. He passed away. He was a Muslim that became a Christian. Forget his name, but he wrote a book called Seeking Allah, Finding Jesus. And he had a really good explanation on the Trinity. Um, and and it, I recommend you get it. It's only like five minutes long. But he, he basically says that same thing. He says, there's only one God being. There's many. We're human beings. Right? I mean, and this kind of cuts right through the word of faith teaching. We're human beings. God is a God being. But there's only one God being. There's many human beings. Um, but he was talking about it in persons. We're one human being and we're one person. God is one God being and three persons. That's what we get from the Bible because Jesus is called God, the Holy Spirit's called God, and the Father's called God. So that's what we get. And we, like I showed you earlier, let us make man in our image. We're not made in the image of angels. We're made in the image of God. So who was God talking to? Okay. Now, a um, couple of things I'm going to try to move real quick. Um, first off, just a word of caution. The Holy Spirit is not a female. Holy Spirit is not a female. Um, one of the teachings that if you kind of continue in this and you study it, You'll see this in all of the occult and Jewish mysticism and things like that, that the Holy Spirit is a woman. In fact, even so specific that she has red hair. You, you, you'll see it the more you get into it. Um, how many of y'all ever heard of Shekinah? Shekinah glory. Okay, that word's not in the Bible. If you want to know where it comes from, it comes from Jewish mysticism. It's another word for a female Holy Spirit. It's a female word. Um, but this word of faith teaching teaches that God the Father got with Shekinah and made us. That's how we're little G's, okay? Just completely heretical. We're not little G's. We're little H's. We're little humans. <laughs> we're not little gods. But I want you to know that from this teaching springs forth everything. Because in the, in the word of faith uh, teaching is a positive confession um, teaching, which is good. You should always say positive things. But, however, if you're a little God and you say positive things, you create things. And if you're a God and you say negative things, you destroy things. That's the teaching. That's the pull. That's the catch. That's, where na that's the origin of name it, claim it. Because if you're a little God, you can speak things into existence or you can speak things out of existence. Case in point, Joel Osteen. I'm not bashing the guy, I'm teaching. He taught on um, Christmas, in fact. How many of y'all remember the story of Zechariah, right? And Elizabeth, John the Baptist. Why, why did... Why did God shut his mouth. Anybody? Because he doubted. That's right. 
He didn't believe. So God shut his mouth to prove a point, right? Well, you know why Joel Osteen said he did? Because since he's a little God, he didn't believe God had to shut his mouth or the baby would have died because he would have had a negative confession. He would have had a negative confession. He would have spoke the baby out of existence because he's a little God. He didn't realize his power. He didn't realize who he was. And the sooner you realize who you are, the quicker your life will change. That's the lie. That's the lie because you're not like God. I'm going to show you this in just a second. Just bear with me because you're not like God. But Joel Osteen says that had God not shut Zechariah's mouth, then John the Baptist or Jesus would have died in the womb. So he had to shut his mouth, right, so that the plan of redemption could keep going on. If, he didn't shut, if Zechariah's mouth didn't get zipped, Jesus would never have been born is what he's saying. So, ma'am, but he, they shut his mouth because he was unbelieving and doubting to prove a point to him, prove a point to Zechariah. It was just for Zechariah's. Um, but and it's like that with, with a lot of other things. God will let you get yourself in a bind. Amen. God will let you get yourself in a bind. But it had nothing to do with him creating or killing something. Now, we are told that in the, in the uh, mouth, there's the power of life and death, right? How many of y'all know that? There is. Do you know that you can inflict wounds on people with your words? And you can, you can you know, build life in them. You can speak to them and, and build them up. But it doesn't mean that you can say, you know, um, I declare this is not here, and then it vanishes. That creative power, the creative power comes from God. When God speaks, things change. Um, in, in Romans chapter number 4, Abraham is talked about about his faith. And it says that Abraham was fully persuaded, right, that what he promised, right, he could do. Abraham was fully persuaded. In what? Was Abraham fully persuaded in what Abraham said? Or was Abraham fully persuaded in what God said? When you believe what God said, now you're hooking up with the power of God. It's not when you say it, it's when God has said it. It's a big difference, big difference. When you believe what God has said. One of the, one, one, uh, one false teaching that um, I'm not going to go into all the way, but was this one, and, I've heard, and I heard it so many times. God's word in your mouth is the same thing as God's word in his mouth. Heard that one. That's a word of faith. That's an, that's an oldie but a goodie in the word of faith. Uh, Charles Caps was the guy that pr- pushed that one a lot. Um, here's the problem. What happened whenever Lucifer had God's word in his mouth? Because didn't Lucifer use God's word in, right, against Jesus? So it's, it, it's, it's when you believe God's word. Okay, God's word is going to, like he says in Isaiah, it's going to accomplish what God sets it out to accomplish. But if you speak it out of context, you're just speaking it out of context. Okay, it, it's, it's like um, 
Well, let me go, let me go over here real quick. Go to Genesis chapter 3. Genesis chapter 3. So if you, had, if you were a little God, do you understand like um, in uh, one, of the, one of the best sellers on the uh, self-help books is uh, Change Your Mind, Change Your Destiny. You get it? Change your mind, change your destiny. Start thinking different, you're going to end up in a different destiny. Okay. Well, you know, almost the same title verbatim is one of Joyce Meyer's books. Whether she knows it or not, that same spirit is, is, uh, is affecting her. Um, and I'm not just picking on her. I'm going after teaching. Here's the deal, though. The thought that you're a little God and that your words create destinies, your words change the course of time, your words, because God spoke things into existence, okay, it means that you're a little God, just like we were talking about, okay? This is the lie from the beginning. Lucifer's desire from the very beginning was to be like God. Our desire should not to be like God. We should never desire to be like God. We are his creation. We are his created beings. We are created for him. All things are for his glory. None will ascend to his throne. He will share his glory with none. And if there's a desire in us to, to move over God, let's share the throne, there's a bad problem in us. And that's, that's why, you know, this teaching that we're little gods, it, it's, it's very, very bad and it crosses a line. Um, and there's so many more teachings that I could get into that are wrong in the word of faith, but they're not heretical. This one, from this one, springs forth all kinds of heresy, and that's why I'm, I'm doing that. Um, but this idea that I'm going to be like God or I'm going to be a God, okay, it is in Jewish mysticism, it is in Mormonism, it's in Seventh-day Adventism, it's in word of faith. It's in all these things. And here's the deal. Just like all these, Mormons teach that uh, God is a man. God is a literal man. And that he overcame his world. And because of that, his reward was to rule this one. And if we overcome this world, we're going to get our own world to rule over, just like God does this one. That's, that's the end result of Mormonism. Mormons think that if they're good enough, they're all going to get their own planet to be gods over. And knock, 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 Word of Faith teaches the same thing. Word of Faith, in fact, Kenneth Copeland famously said, God is six foot tall, 200 pounds, and his hand is nine inches long. He said, God is a man. But Jesus said, God is a spirit, and no man has seen him. That's why Jesus came and manifested in the flesh, right? Because you can't see God and live because God's a spirit. And he's so beautiful, no man has seen him, he said. So Jesus came to manifest so that you would know what God was like. So that's why he said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. I'm manifesting in John 17. He said, Father, I have manifested thy name to your people. 
All the names of God, Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Shalom, Jehovah Sidkenu, all those names of God, Jesus embodied and manifested and declared to us, he's our righteousness, he's our healing, he's our peace, he's our savior, he's our banner of victory, he's all these things. He manifests, but no man has seen God. No man has seen God. God's not a man. It says God's not a man that he should lie, right? God is not a man. Jesus became a man for 33 years, lived, died, and rose again, right? But the Father is a spirit. Okay. But the lie from the beginning was, the lie from the beginning was to try to be as God. Look at Genesis 3 and verse number 5. Oh, look at verse 4. Genesis 3, 4. The serpent said unto the woman, You shall not surely die, for God, big G, doth know that in the day you eat thereof, then your eyes shall be open, and you shall be as gods, little g, knowing good and evil. You see, the desire that Satan had was to open up her mind so she would know she's a little g. That was Satan's desire in the garden. If you'll just do this, you know, now you'll understand that you're a little G. Just like he's a big G, you're going to be a little G. He wanted Eve to want what he wanted, which was to be as God. He wanted Eve to desire, to stop desiring to be a, a good, you know, lover of God. Stop desiring to be a worshiper of God. Stop desiring to be a servant of God. Stop desiring to be his creation Come on, don't you want to be as God? Open your mind up. Don't you want to be as God? This is what they teach. This is what word of faith teaches. And I'm not saying word of faith is Satan. I'm not saying that. But that teaching is from Satan. That teaching is. Um, and here's the deal. Here's, here's the problem with that. Let me show you. Let me show you the problem. Because it's, it's birthed out of this. Um, Go with me to Isaiah chapter 14. Isaiah 14. And this will probably be our last passage. Isaiah 14. You remember whenever Jesus said that he saw Lucifer, he saw Lucifer fall like lightning? Remember that? When Jesus said that? Remember that? He's referring to this passage. He's referring to this passage. So Isaiah 14, beginning in verse number 12. Because why am I showing you this? Because I just showed you that Lucifer's desire was to get Eve to desire to be like God, wasn't it? And watch this. Verse 12, how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground, which did weaken the nations? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. Listen, this is Lucifer. He said in his heart, I will ascend to heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. He wanted to be God. He wanted to be God. This is satanic, to want to be like God. Nothing in us should want to be like God. If anything in us wants to be like God, we should get on our face and repent. But this movement 
is founded. This is not an aberration. The movement is founded on this teaching. And that's why, um, that's why I wanted to bring this out. Now, I'm going to read a few quotes to you. And then if you have any questions, we have just a few minutes. If you have any questions, you can ask them. Um, but I'm going to read a few quotes to you. Everything that I've said tonight, if you don't like it, I'm sorry, but I can document it, and I, have, I can print out the articles or even show you videos. There's actually videos of almost everything I've said verbatim that they've said. Um, it, one, of the, one guy that's really good on this area is a guy named Justin Peters. He did a document, documentary um, called Wells Without Water, and um, he goes through uh, uh, way more in-depth. But I will caution you, he doesn't believe like we believe, okay? He's not spirit-filled, so, but he's good on this area. So I wouldn't follow all his teachings. But where people are good, they're good, and where they're not, they're not. We just want to be in the middle. Um, so here's one, Kenneth Hagin. And, and, and look, I, I'm, you know, I'm, just, I'm not attacking the people, just what they said. He said, the Christian is just as much an incarnation as Jesus was of Nazareth. Here's, here's the, the thing you got to get in your mind. Because as you get more involved in the Word of Faith mo movement, you'll see Jesus is brought down and man is brought up. Jesus becomes a model which he is, but that's all that they say he was. And you can do anything he can do. In fact, another quote from Kenneth Copeland was, every time he says in the Bible, I am, I just laugh and say, I am too. Well, if you thought you were a little G, you would say that. Um, Creflo Dollar said, the only human part of you is your flesh. The real you is just like God. Um, the rest of these are kind of long. So you got uh, Benny Hinn, who's coming to Shreveport this weekend. Shreveport Community Church. Fred Price, the guy that started TBN, I forget his name. But anyways, I got quotes on all of them. If you want them later, you can get them. But you know, I didn't know all this kind of stuff till I started studying it. Um, if you don't, if you've never heard this kind of stuff, you know, uh, sorry. Love you though. Don't want you to walk in error. Don't want you to bear with people that preach another gospel and another Jesus. Um, you know, I made changes in my life after I got after I found this stuff out. I actually, I you know, some people that I loved in ministry. I don't associate with in ministry anymore because of this stuff, you know. Some people because of sin, other people because this bad theology, and they won't come out of it, you know. Uh, one ministry I was with, um, one guy took another guy's wife. Well, and they let him keep preaching and ministering. Well, I'm sorry. I'm not putting my name with that ministry because they wouldn't do anything about it. Well, over on this side, you know, word of faith, you got heresy going on, and people won't correct it. People won't change from it. People won't turn from it. So I can't, you know, so it's cost me. But I'm one of those people that when I see something like this, I, I can't turn a blind eye to it. Um, I wanted to because I love, and I still love these people. I still love them. 
Uh, I, you know, the guy that took the other guys, I still love him. I just wish he hadn't have done it, and I wish, you know, they would, she would go back to her husband. But, you know, it's kind of like John the Baptist told, uh, um, you know, King Herod, you sh- it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. He didn't say, okay, repent, and it's all, all's well that ends well. No, he said, no, she needs to go back to her brother. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's a good point, it's a, and that's a very good question. Um, healing is for us. Um, healing's been, you know, we can access healing through faith in Jesus. Um, we can. I've seen people get healed. I've laid hands on people and prayed, and they've gotten healed. However, God's the healer, not me. God's the healer. Um, God tells us to lay hands on the sick. So number one, God tells us to lay hands on the sick and pray. So any person that's sick, we lay hands on and we pray. And then the rest is God's. God is the healer. Um, I've, I've laid hands on people and instantly healed. I've laid hands on them and a month later healed. I've laid hands on them and they didn't get healed. But I'm not the healer God is. Second point I would, and I, I think you're, I'm 100% with you because I've wondered the same thing. So, you know, these are things I've prayed through and searched through as well. Second point on that I would make is this, is that um, it's appointed unto man wants to die, and then the judgment, says in Hebrews. So one of the things is, is that we, it's appointed unto us to die. At some point, our body's got to shut down. And in shutting down, sometimes it's through disease or sickness. Um, you know, do, so does God want us to get sick and that? Well, I don't think so. I don't think so. But sometimes God uses those things for our departure date. Um, God works everything together for the good of those that love him and are called by his name. Uh, Romans eight twenty eight. So God can use anything. But I don't believe that God wants us sick. But if God has us, if we're there and God hasn't healed us, it's for a reason. Um, now, if you're a little G and you're sick, it's because you, you haven't spoken it, you haven't spoken your healing into existence. See, the, the onus goes back on you when you're a little G. There's more into this. A uh, guy by the name of Miles Monroe, he really kind of uh, perpetrated this part. It said that when man sinned in the garden, he lost the title deed to the earth. God gave him the title deed. He had dominion over everything. But when man fell, we gave dominion to Satan. And so now, if, um, you know, we now through the cross, the title deed's been given back to us. So God can't do anything in this earth without us title deed owners letting him. So, what, and, and this is how the line of thinking goes. So if somebody's sick, you have the title deed. God wants to heal them, but he can't because you as the title deed owner haven't given him permission to heal them yet. That's how the lie goes. Um, so God works for you. Who's the potter and who's the clay? It's role reversal. It's role reversal. We are. We are supposed to strive. Yes, our character... Yeah, and that's a great point, too. Yes. Well, he never changed. Yeah, he never changed. But when the Holy Spirit came on, and he also said, greater works will you do. 
He said, greater works will you do, you know, after I'm gone, because the Holy Spirit is going to indwell us. And it's because we can lay hands on the sick and God will heal them. But the power doesn't come from us. It goes through us, through us. We're like a point of contact or a point of faith for them. Yeah, God's the one that works it. Um, it's kind of like salvation. We share the scriptures with somebody. They believe, but God's the one that saves. We're like the, con- well, healing's the same way. He, and, and in fact, salvation and healing are a lot alike because they're both purchased, you know, on the cross. Um, but not everybody believes and gets saved, and not everybody, you know, gets healed. But some do. And God is the one that saves, and God is the one that heals. God's the one that fills with the Spirit. But in that case, it, yeah, no, no, no. I, to a point, I agree with that because if you have sin in your life and you're in unbelief, you're not, you're not going to be a vessel that God can use. So in that aspect, I agree with that. The part I would add to it, though, is that the healing doesn't come from you. It goes through you because the, heal, the healer is God not us. Um, you know, because there are times in the Bible where you see people sick, like um, Paul left a guy that was sick. Uh, Timothy, remember Timothy had a stomach issue? Paul didn't say, you know, lay hands on him. Paul said, give him a little wine for his stomach. So he used, you know, wine, which is not the same kind of wine you can buy at the liquor store, but it's grape juice, basically. But he said, you can use that wine as for medicine purposes. So, you know, there's times in the Bible where you see even the apostles do things like that. Luke was a doctor. Um, but I, I wholeheartedly agree with you. If, there's, if I'm unbelieving or I'm in sin, I'm not going to be a vessel God can use to touch that person. If I'm, if in our, whenever, like I said, our job is to lay hands on the sick and pray for them, God is the one who heals. Um, But I have to have complete faith. I have to believe beyond a shadow of a doubt. That's my job. My job is to believe. God's job is to heal. And, well, not his job, but that's what he said. He said he's the healer. So um, that would be his, one of the things he does. So why didn't everybody get healed? We don't know. We're not God. Because God is God. God work. God has a reason for whatever He does, but we're supposed to work while it, like Jesus said, while it's still day, while we still have an opportunity. We live in the church age in the day of grace. We still have opportunity, so we should be going into hospitals praying for people. We should be visiting the sick praying for people. We should be standing in the gap praying for people. Just like it says in James, anoint them with oil, bring them before the elders, anoint them with oil. It says they will be healed. That's what it says. I believe it. Well, I didn't see them get healed. Well, maybe they're going to get healed next week. All I know is the Bible said they will be healed. It didn't say when. Yes. It's not always instant. That's right. Sometimes it's gradual. Yes. And I've been, yes, I've been healed. One time um, I had... Uh, a lot of times you get into spiritual battles, you know, in ministry, and you get all kinds of attacks. And one time I had a, a pain. It was in my side right here, and I thought I was, I thought 
I was, you know, like something was going to come out of me. It was just horrendous pain. I couldn't even sit down. I had to stand up and arch my back. It went on for about four days, four days. And, you know, sometimes you kind of like take a lick and you just kind of limp. Well, I was going to work after about four days of this, and I was getting on the elevator, and all of a sudden God said, why have you not got mad and prayed like you should? Just like that. Why have you not gotten mad and prayed like you should? So right there, I said, I laid hands on myself. I said, in the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to stop. And you know what? It, something popped. It felt like a piece of, like you blow a bubble. It felt like a, a bubble popped inside me and instantly pain gone. Never had the pain since. That was 10 years ago. Instant healing. But, I, you know, in prison, I, I've seen God do more I've seen the Holy Spirit move more in prison than I've ever seen him move in churches. I don't know why. I've seen God, you know, tongues, words of knowledge, healings. Um, almost, almost every person I've ever laid hands on in prison got healed. Almost every single one. I'd say probably 90-something percent of them healed. Instant. Well, why doesn't it work like that at church? I don't know. Is it me? Is it you? Is it God? I don't know. But I know that I'm still supposed to pray, and I know you're supposed to pray, right? And God's still the healer. So they're depending on God. They're depending on God. I agree. They see God move. Yep. It, in fact, we have distractions. We can run from God. We can pull up Facebook, and, you know, when God's, you know, instead of just depending on God. I was one of, you know, I was talking about Haiti earlier, but when we were there and we had that, we had a big revival there, man, I mean, the whole, I didn't know what they were singing more than a man in the moon, but I could hear it in the spirit. It's, uh, you know what I'm saying? I, it was a different language to me, but I could hear it in the spirit. And I mean, people fell out under the power of God. Um, people were getting healed. Uh, you know, messages of words of knowledge were going for. I mean, people were getting delivered. Bondages were falling. I mean, it was, why? Why? They were depending on God. They were depending, it's third world. They didn't even have electricity in that town. No electricity. And they hadn't had electricity at that time for seven years. Now it's been eight and a half years. They still don't have electricity. Depending on God, just like you said. It's, and, you know, you see that in Africa. But um, anyways, anybody else got a, yes. Um, yeah, on that aspect, I'll give them credit because they don't go that far. Um, because um, what that is is, is kind of like it, the, the theological term for that is called Gnosticism. It means unless you know what we know, you can't be saved. So in that aspect, I'll give, I'll give Copeland, Meyer, all them credit because they don't say that. They think that you're just ignorant and don't know who you really are. That's, you know, you don't know you're a God. They don't say, they do not say, since you don't know you're a God, you're going to go to hell. They don't say that. Um, but there are people that have that hidden. That hidden thing is um, getting myself in trouble tonight. But... Um, hidden things are like secret societies, things like that, uh, Mormons, 
there's a lot of stuff about Mormons that people don't know. Um, Masons, Shriners, uh, things like that. You can get, now at the bottom level, people don't know, but the higher you get up and the deeper you go into those things, the darker it gets. And that's where the Gnosticism sets in. Um, so it, 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 you know, there's a lot in it, a lot in it. Um, <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. 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 One, one of my pastor, one of my pastors, yeah, one of my pastors was really good friends with him. So, you know, it's, yeah, Creflo Dollar does, but there's actually videos of Copeland saying it. Um, in fact, even recently, there's videos of him from the 90s, 2000s, and even one last year that he said this. Um, who's the guy with the, the long hair? Yeah. The, <laughs> any, there's, a, there's a new white, white, last name white, maybe. Um, anyways, but he's a, he's a new up-and-coming kind of guy in that movement, but he just kind of got popular over the last year and a half, and he was there in the audience when Kenneth Copeland said it. So I know there is a, a video clip of him within the last two years saying it, and I know there's one of him in the 2000s and in the 90s. Um, and if you send me your email address, I'll send you those clips. Um, but I, And I'm not saying that all his teachings are wrong. That part is. I'm not saying all the stuff's wrong. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying that part is. And that's, you know, that's the hard part is, um, you know, when, and one of my jobs is to make sure that we don't accept wrong doctrine. It's not, I'm not saying that these people are, are the devil. I'm not saying anything like that, but that teaching's wrong is what I'm saying. Um, cause there's only one God and we're not God, but, um, but it, th this, this has cost me, you know, I, I had, um, in love brought this teaching to people that were part of that ministry and I got completely shot down on it. Um, and it, it's cost me ministry opportunities. Um, somebody had, uh, hired me basically to teach a ministry school in this kind of a sphere and all kinds of stuff like that. But all of that came undone. I mean, it's cost me a lot. Um, but I'm going to stand on the word of God. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to, I'm not going to, you know, I'm, yeah. I, and I, exactly. And those, and those people I, I do love, I still, I still have personal relationships with people in those circles but not ministry relationships. So that, that's right. Amen. Amen. And that's, that's why I started out with the gospel, like he said, the simplicity of Christ, because the gospel is simple. It's, you know, God is God. We're his creation. We're fallen. We couldn't do anything to save ourselves. Jesus had to come, die on the cross, and, and you know, uh, rise on the third day. And faith in that saves us. Now, like I said, there's little teachings in the word of faith that I, that I don't agree with, but I wouldn't call them heretical. The only other one, the only other one, and I don't have time to get in it, is that Jesus became Satan on the cross, became sin, 
the embodiment of sin. So they take it to the extent of Satan on the cross. And when he died, he died as Lucifer and went to hell and was punished for three days and three nights in hell. Um, but the Bible says, you know, he said on the cross it was finished, right? It was finished on the cross that our salvation was, we were purchased on the cross, right? Um, that kind of thing. But the, the teaching goes that Jesus died, became sin on the cross, descended into hell as a sinner, suffered as a sinner, and after three days realized who he was or whatever, believed and got born again. And Jesus, so the, the, the other, which I don't have time to get into, but the other heretical one is, is that Jesus got born again in hell, then came back to life. Um, that one is, is in the Word of Faith movement as well, just as heretical, but this one I think is more dangerous. Um, that one is more offensive. Um, but the, the part that Jesus was born again, here's the heretical part of it, though. If you believe Jesus got born again, you believe he stopped being God. If he ever stopped being God, he never was God. God can't stop being God. That's one of, it's one of his attributes. He is. He is, remember in Hebrews, he is, and he's a rewarder of those that diligently seek, diligently seek him. He always has been, he is, and he always will be, right? So he never stops being God. So if Jesus died on the cross and became sin and had to get born again in hell, they're saying he stopped being God, and that's the heretical part. That means that the guy walking, you know, the earth 2,000 years ago was just like us, and, and there's more to it. So, anyways, any other questions real quick? Fun, fun. Um, so this was, this was word of faith. Um, Next week, we're going to be in a different topic, so it shouldn't be as heavy. <laughs> um, next week, we should, we should be back into some good, good, fun territory. But I encourage you to study the Bible. Everything that I preached, if I preached it in air, all you got to do is tell me, and I'll say I'm sorry. Um, I'll correct myself. But um, you should take the Bible in context, um, go through those scriptures that we went through. If you want a tape of this, you can get a tape of it. Um, but I encourage you to study your Bible and, and to let the Word of God be what leads you and what guides you. If you do that, you'll be okay because the Word is a lamp for our feet and a light for our path. The Word of God is truth, amen, and it's the final authority. So I'm not the final authority, and nobody else is, but God is. The Word of God is. So have your teachings backed up by the Word of God in context, amen? All right, let's